Hello and welcome to the A-Form show. My name is Alan George and thank you very much for tuning in. Each week we sit across from thought leaders and change makers in the architecture and design space of the GCC. We dive deep into their experiences both professionally and personally and share their valuable insight as to what makes them tick. Our goal is to add value to your day and help you navigate your own personal creative journey. Finally, the opinions and the views of the guest speakers are that of their own. They do not necessarily represent the views and the opinions of the show or the host. Hi, my name is Haya Arafa and this is the A Form show. Welcome to the show everyone. Thank you guys for tuning in again this week. This week on today's special show we have Haya Arafa. She is an interior designer running her own boutique studio right here out of Dubai. Having been part of many large-scale projects in both the Middle East and the GCC region, Haya now focuses all of her talents on delivering conceptual human-centric designs. She specializes in curating spaces that improve social interaction cognitive performance and psychological health. Haya is a true example of ongoing self-education because after her degree she has spent time constantly bettering herself with short courses in various design and more importantly non-design topics. Haya has also spent a good amount of time as an architectural writer with one of the most prestigious publishing houses in the region. So without further ado Let's get into it. Hi Alan, it's my pleasure to be with you today. Thank you very much for having me. No problem. It's always a pleasure to have people like yourself on the show. So, without wasting anyone's time, we're going to get right into it. I understand that for a brief amount of time, you were with AE7. AE7 is obviously a very well-known firm. Everyone's probably heard about it on the show and in the region. Could you quickly share with the audience any of the key learnings or key projects that you had during your time as an interior designer over there? Yes, of course. Working in AE7 was truly an eye-opener in my career. Like back home in Egypt, I used to work in a multidisciplinary studio by the inspiring Yasmina Makram, where we were just a team of four back then. And then coming to Dubai, working in a very cosmopolitan city and working of a team of like 300, and that was a bombshell. This is where my passion for architecture like strove more working in a full service architecture firm where you get to see all phases of a project from like feasibility studies department to master planning uh, structure architecture department MEP uh, landscape and and then all the way to the interior design team so working on extensive large commercial mixed use and residential projects within the MENA region with like very confidential clients and like well-known developers. That was a very good experience and an experience that I really learned a lot from. Right. So did you find, I mean, obviously there would be a difference. I'm assuming working in a team of, like you said, four and then going to a studio of that kind of size. But from an interior designer point of view, what was, I mean, what would be the biggest change that you think that you had to go through as an interior designer moving in that kind of scale? Yeah, the scale, of course, it was 
different. Like the scale of the project was definitely different. And the timelines were, were like crazy, like here in Dubai, like uh, whenever you have a new project. And of course, you, Alan, know that personally, like you have a submission next Thursday, like, OK, we have to come up with a concept, come with a presentation and like do all the work and just come up with something in like four or five days and I was really like, oh, um, what? what? <laughs> and I was like, at, at the beginning, like, I wasn't absorbing all this. And I was like, um, in a like pose mode at the beginning. But yeah, slowly and steadily, I, I started absorbing like all this. And I, I got used to that. And do you think working, I mean, obviously, this is not something to be particularly proud of. I know that everyone in Dubai kind of prides themselves on delivering things really quickly internationally a lot of people would kind of not particularly agree with that approach obviously but having worked in that kind of uh, heavy pressure environment with you know these tight deadlines and so on do you think that's helped you become a better designer in any way even with something like time management for example do you think that that environment helped you or did it not well of course uh, in a way like for for the two years I worked in in AE seven, like the number of projects I worked on were, were massive. Like the num that number of projects I would never work on the same amount of projects in Egypt. So just having like each two or uh, three months um, a new pro a new project going on, like a completely new project, that's an that's an ex a unique experience by itself. Like you you get more exposed to very different projects, either commercial or residential projects. Right. And was there any point during that process where you realized there was a specific sector which you favored? Because obviously starting off and working on a multiple portfolio is quite beneficial because obviously you learn a lot. But during that process, generally, you tend to figure out which sector you preferred as a designer, be it you know commercial or residential or whatever it may be. So did you find any particular sector which appealed to you? Yes. To be honest, I'm very interested in, in residential projects and um, like working with, um, like having like client relationships and working like specifically with um, ho homeowners and like people who just want to do their houses. I've, I've, I've been really interested in, in working in the re residential and the commercial as well, but I I think I was more interested in the residential projects and like having this relationship with the client and like, because any project you work, if you're working on any project, for example, residential project, you'll have like a long-term relationship with your, with your client and back and forth and getting to explore more about their lives and what they do and like um, what they want in their houses. And so this was, was something like, I wanted I wanted to focus more on like conceptual residential project by that time. And I understand now that you have since obviously moved on and you now run your own design studio. Wanted to know a little bit about it because especially in this climate that we're in, you know, with COVID being, you know, where it is, there's been an there's been an increase of number of people who have now decided to, you know, kind of explore their own practice and have now decided, you know, maybe this is the right time to kind of, you know, go off on my own and see what that leads to. Obviously, yeah. that was not the case with you because you started much earlier. 
But a few hurdles that everyone faces is normally that first year, uh, you know, kind of getting money rolling and kind of, you know, getting the right clients and so on. So my question to you is in your say first year of operation, what were the kind of challenges that you faced? You being obviously you higher. So anything that you want to kind of point out that were challenges, which may help some of the listeners that are tuned in? Yeah, that's a tough one. <laughs> I started, yeah, I started like early this year. And, and of course, the biggest challenge I faced was starting a business with the rise of the pandemic. But, you know, like slowly and steadily, I'm, I'm picking up like small project and, and, and that's something I'm, I'm very happy about. And well, I liked working in a firm, but, but I truly loved many other things more. Like, to be honest, I was more than happy to walk away and explore the things I enjoy more and the things I'm, I'm more passionate about. Working in a firm made me really realize that there's more depth uh, to architecture other than uh, the mere fulfillment of a function. Architecture has always been a powerful and a positive force that fourth considerable influence uh, on individuals' behavior, uh, well-being and lifestyle. And um, this is what I always wanted to do. Like I have always wanted to do a positive designs and a positive design change in, a, in spaces where we live, where we work, dine or uh, medicament in. So um, I think it was it was a natural progression of of the events happening in my life that created the story. I've always been envisioning product uh, projects uh, in a certain perspective and. I, I thought it's about time. I have, I have been doing like uh, R and D since so long, and I strongly believe in research as, as a design tool and and building a studio that gives value to people, even if it's like a super minor change. But I I always wanted to do something my, my myself and like explore a lot of perspectives, a lot of things that I've been learning. I wanted to start uh, application, and I thought it, it's about time to do something that I'm, I'm really passionate about. Right. So clearly this wasn't, this wasn't something where you had a kind of aha moment and decided that, yes, you know, now is the time. Now is the, you know, the time to take action. And this is when I'm going to do it. I think in your case, it was more, you know, like you very aptly said, it was more a gradual buildup over time, wherein you sort of realized, you know, this is what I want to be focusing on. This is what I want to explore, you know, further. So my question to that is for people who do not have the opportunity to, you know, kind of explore what they want to do. Is there anything which you recommend that they can do while they're still, you know, part of a firm or, you know, part of a larger team, whatever it may be, any advice that you can give them on how to kind of explore these different things that they want to do? I think it's, yeah, you, I think like my advice would be like, you have to start freelancing since when you get, when you're graduated, um, you have to start like picking up like small projects, even if you, you don't take fees for it. Like we've all uh, been in the situations where you just do designs for your family members or your, your friends. And this is what I've been doing like since so long. Like whenever, whenever someone needs assistance, like I used to do it in a professional way until you, you just decide like, um, 
it's you know what it's about time like it's it's about time to start networking and anyone who knows me know that knows I'm very active on LinkedIn and I'm, I'm I really believe in networking and I would advise everyone to like just don't be afraid of anything like just go talk to whoever you want to talk to like we are in the era of digitalization so if you want to talk, talk to uh, Norman Foster just go drop him a message and tell him I, I want to work with you I want to uh, be a part of a project you're working on or this is just an example I mean for example see whoever uh, a person you want to design something for or uh, work on a project basis with someone or just assist someone work as a uh, as a trainee with set with with other firm you you really like their approach this is what I've, I've been I've been doing actually I've been doing I, I don't I don't want to say like I've been having my my own studio since long I, I was just an individual designer and I've, I've been doing like a lot of projects separately right I mean I guess that is in all honesty the best way to start or probably the most recommended way to start because you kind of a on your own you don't really have that much overhead per se I mean you don't really have to worry about you know things like renting an office and salaries of other employees and so on. So that's probably the best way to start. I, I would highly recommend that to anyone listening as well. If there are certain aspects that you want to explore, that you want to, you know, kind of see if there is even a market for it and if people actually want what you're offering, that's actually the best way. And I think you're absolutely right with the whole approach of freelancing. Um, yes. the, the way that you speak it kind of reminds me of a phrase that I'd heard from uh, one of my previous directors, wherein he said something along the lines of the first client makes you a designer and the first paycheck makes you an entrepreneur. And mm -hmm. what he meant by that is those are two very different roles, which most designers don't know that when they run a firm, they need to also be an entrepreneur. And most entrepreneurs who want to open a design firm don't realize that they actually sort of need to be a designer as well. So my question to you is, since clearly you are by yourself, you are the designer and you are the business person, the entrepreneur behind it as well. So what are your thoughts on this statement? Can one person be both? Can a person be a designer and an entrepreneur at the same time? Oh, those interesting type of questions, Alan. Thank you for that. Well, there, there isn't like an, an exam you can pass to be an, an entrepreneur and, and the best way uh, to learn is by doing. I might not be um, a very good business person. I worked hard early this year to de develop this, to be able to succeed and accommodate the thing that I love and the thing I'm very passionate about. Being an entrepreneur or an individual designer is all about solving problems every day. So getting through this, like it pushes you every day to, to become a better business person, like getting to solve problems every day. Um, you, you occasionally get better in like contracts and uh, negotiations. And I'm still learning uh, more every day, doing new things and, and failing is part of it. You're not going to succeed right away and you shouldn't be having the expectations that you're going to succeed right away. I think the word you used was absolutely correct. It's expectation. I think if you set yourself up for high expectations, you're probably setting yourself up for failure as well. 
I think the approach that it may not do well and that it is going to be a lot of time and effort and a lot of failure in order to reach success, I think that's the absolute perfect way to go about it, which clearly I can see that you are. The question that I had once I heard this was for everything, if say a lot of our listeners are obviously designers, right? If they want to go down the route that you did, which is entrepreneurship, business, design, and if say they've never learned things like business or accounting or writing a check or creating a contract or anything like that, how can they gain this experience? Or how did you gain this experience if you didn't have it? Well, that's an interesting question. Like, I've always been like learning and asking a lot of people, a lot of people out of my field, like... Uh, I can call one of my friends who's working as a lawyer and I ask them, I, now I, I need to do, I need to do a contract. Like, like tell me, I, I know nothing about that. And like, for example, I just try and write the design stages and, and there's a, there are like terms and conditions that should be applied. And there's nothing wrong with like asking experts about that. Or like, I, I'm I'm also from the school of like, the courses. I, I love taking courses and like course uh, online courses. Now, of course, like we're, we're all sitting at home. So it's time for, for us to develop and work on ourselves more. I've been taking a lot of courses that, and a lot of universities, like top universities like Harvard, Harvard and so like are giving free courses related to design or related to marketing or related to branding. Um, how you have to know how to brand yourself and how to market yourself as a as a designer because it's not all about your designs as well. You have to uh, market your designs and you have to know how to talk about your designs and do an extra mile with the sales and uh, know, of course, about the contracts and know more about business and and research. I, I think research is is the best tool. Like I like to like search a lot ab- about like studios, like small, small studios and entrepreneurs and how the people grow. And like, I usually like, like to see, um, like very famous designers get to see their, uh, videos or like their project, their very, very early projects, uh, back then when, when they just started and see them now. And, and you see like a big difference and you see how they worked on themselves. Like no one starts like that perfect. Like it comes gradually. Right. I uh, couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. If, if I may ask this off the top of uh, my head, just because you seem like someone who's given this a lot of thought, where, where do you want to see your practice growing? What is the aim, if at all, if you have one, what would be a point wherein you would say, yes, I want to have, you know, this kind of project and have, you know, this much amount of staff and do this kind of work. Is there an aim that you're kind of working towards with your practice? Or are you just kind of, you know, seeing whatever projects come along and kind of, you know, building your portfolio that way? I guess my question is, are you working towards a goal with your firm or are you kind of just trying to see what it can be at the moment? Well, my, my aim now and my goal now is like focus on quality. Like I don't want to pick like a lot of projects and it's not about quantity. And I, I just want to focus on quality of projects. And uh, this is my goal is just, I want to focus on the power of design and how it can develop and support an individual or an organization. And I want to do something like, um, related to 
doing a difference or design uh, for a difference. And my, my vision is like, I want to enhance our da daily life experiences through, through, uh, through designed objects and or through spatial experiences. Uh, I want to bring about a positive des design change in spaces. So this is my, my vision actually, and this is what I want to do like like in, in the future th this is what i want to like look back and say like i i changed that or people are more ha happy or i feel serene li living in their spaces i want to look back at at my my designs and and feel that i created a difference even if it's a very minor difference like when I was reading, for, for example, in 2009 in Tokyo, the suicides fell by 74% by at the stations, at the, at the metro stations, just because, just because only one thing, they, they added blue lights. Blue lights were installed and like the, the suicides fell by 74%. So this is this is called design change like because people like feel more calmer and um less Im impulsive as a reaction of the blue color so this is just a small example of like how you can just transform a, a, a public space and make a small difference in people's lives yeah i mean that's a very good example about how a small design intervention can kind of you know, literally save lives. I mean, it's not, it's not a hypothetical, it's literally saving lives. I think that's a very good example. A question that I had for you specifically, given, you know, the environment that we're in, in this, you know, new normal post COVID world that we live in, as you said earlier, we're all kind of, you know, sitting at home at the moment. And a lot of our dining tables have become, you know, work offices, I know in my particular case, my dining table kind of operates three to four companies because everyone's kind of <laughs> around the dining table and we're all kind of, you know, scampering around to find meeting spaces and locking ourselves up in, you know, the kitchen and the bedroom to attend meetings and things like that. So it is, it is tough, but I think everyone's kind of found a way at the moment. What I wanted to know from you, because your interest is specifically in residential work, and specifically in, you know, cognitive performance and, you know, psychological health. Given this whole work from home situation, it seems to be like it's going to be here for a while. And yes. as such, someone like yourself, how do you think residential interior design is going to change over the next, say, decade because of the pandemic? Do you see any kind of trends spatial planning trends, material selections, anything that would change and become part of the new normal moving forward? Oh, yes, that's a very interesting question. Yeah, while each one of us has been quarantined within uh, four walls in our homes, we've all realized that our homes shape our lives and have a huge impact on the way we live. We've realized what really matters to us and what we really need in our homes lately. So um, I've been actually writing an article about this, like how I how, how I observed um, homes through the pandemic spectacle. So um, I can share like some insights, like for example, for for uh, for professionals uh, or for designers, 
there's something that the Japanese uh, have been doing like since forever. It's it's called the the yinkan. The yinkan it's it's like a welcome pit uh, just inside the the front door. Um, that it just serves a gathering place for shoes, uh, guests, and even spiders. Like it's it's a place like it's outside the house, but it's like a gathering place. People used to do it in in Japan in Japan like since forever. When you enter a Japanese house, you leave your shoes um, and proceed into the rest of the house in slippers ra- rather than carrying um, the dirt inside. So. I think like when professionals uh, get to design like residential buildings or apartments or or houses, I think this is something that we could do or that we could take into consideration. Another thing, um, uh, also uh, we have to start thinking um, bacteria, like bacteria finishes and copper was the most common metal for everyday use in ancient Egypt uh, um, by the pharaohs. Uh, copper helps kill germs. It's an, it has antibacterial properties. So in the times of the COVID-19, it would be very helpful to use metal fixtures and uh, door uh, knobs made out of, co- made out of copper. Uh, and today, scientists actually discovered that when uh, microbes uh, are transformed by touching or sneezing, uh, land on copper surface, it gets destroyed in, inside the copper. So another thing, like if, if like for, for, for normal people, like not, not necessarily designers, they have a huge responsibility like to feel comfortable. They have to feel happy about their spaces and they have to do something about it. Like, uh, for instance, minimalism is just not for designers, like people living in, in, in the house. You should, you should like, what is minimalism? Minimalism is simply, uh, eliminating the, the unnecessary so there are all the things that, you know, it can be eliminated. Uh, there's no need to just uh, drown in, in debt for things, you know, you can, you can live without. Always just rethink whether it's essential or not. Uh, live, living in a decluttered home, it just sets your mind uh, on a free mental space mode. And, and you have to always remember, like, you don't need this, uh, for, for example, extra music uh, gadget that you think that it will make you happier. Uh, because once you, you can, once you convince yourself it's a, it's a need, you start structuring your life around it. And actually minimalist homes don't only look good, but it also helps you just discover your values. And, um, and another thing as well is multifunctional spaces. Like people should start prioritizing. You, you don't have to upsize to get the new gym equipment you need. Like with smart uh, space planning and just some uh, creativity, you can pack a lot of function uh, into the tiniest spaces. So as you as you were saying, Alan, like if you only use your, for example, if you only use your formal dining room or your reception area on uh, special occasions, and live only in your living room, I, I guess it's a, it's a, about time to reconsider space planning your your home. Like whether your dining your dining room can act as your home office, or your living room could be transformed into an office or or a workout room just by foldable furniture. Also, like uh, any unused corner spaces, it can be utilized into a multifunctional uh, space. The trouble comes. 
in our homes when it lacks organization and and thoughtful design. So without the right uh, design strategies, we we found we, we find ourselves living in a, in a complete mess. Also, uh, another thing is uh, there's a thing that uh, that's called sad syndrome. Uh, sad, sad syndrome. It's just a seasonal depression um, that's related to changes in seasons. Uh, it causes fatigue, the great need of, for sleep and we, weight gain, and the increased desire to be alone. And you, you always have trouble concentrating when you have that sad syndrome. And um, believe it or not, like studies have discovered that increased hour of sunlight uh, heightened the brain's production of the mood enhancing chemical uh, serotonin. So if you're struggling to fit light into your busy schedule, you may consider setting up um, an area you use the most in the house, which is your office or whatever, uh, and appreciate your beautiful windows and just undress them. Uh, it's okay to have bare windows. Um, you can just avoid like placing thick and dark furniture near the window. The, the brighter the room is, the more productive you'll be. And it eliminates the feeling of being in a cage. True. Couldn't agree with more of that. I mean, I'm kind of looking around my living room right now and thinking I should move some things around <laughs> whilst you were talking. Um, no, your your home is pretty lit, actually. I can see that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, obviously, it could be a lot better. I mean, clearly. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, definitely a lot of um, a lot of interesting facts, to be honest. A lot of things which I sort of knew about, a lot of things which I did not know about at all. And I think a lot of our guests are uh, definitely going to take away quite a bit from this episode. So generally, this would kind of be the time wherein I would, you know, thank you for your contribution to the show and welcome you, you know, in the future and all of that. But, but the team for some reason have put a little block in the schedule saying hire once five to 10 minutes and they've not specified for what. So <laughs> yes. makes, makes me a little nervous. I'm not going to lie, but uh, I guess the floor is now yours for five to 10 minutes for whatever it is that you want to be doing. Oh, thank you for giving me uh, five or ten minutes. You're so generous. <laughs> um, you, you, you're, you've been keeping me like nervous for more than 30 minutes now. I think it's my turn. <laughs> oh, sure. I mean, I, I was not trying to make you nervous. Just want to make that clear. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just joking. Of course, no. It was like, I felt so comfortable um, talking to you, Alan. I just enjoyed it. And I, I enjoyed every question you've asked me. <laughs> so it, it's my turn now. I'm, I'm sure the people listening to me would love to, to hear more about you. Alan is a speaker, a lecturer, and he's a great urban sketcher who is working on his first visual collection book very soon. So I wanted to play um, a small game with you, if you don't mind. So I'm going to ask you like a set of questions and you say the very first answer that comes to your mind. Okay, all right. Okay. okay, we have to be super fast about it. Are you ready? I will try. I will try. I will try to clear my mind and answer as quickly as I can. Yes. All right. Okay. First question. Yeah. Instagram or LinkedIn? LinkedIn. Okay. A painting you would love to own? Uh, can I say I don't like paintings? <laughs> okay. 
Uh, no, 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 that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. I actually do have a painting. Um, it's a it's a Henry Matisse painting. I have a copy of it in my house currently, but I would love to have the original. Um, it's the uh, businessman. It's uh, quite a famous piece. It's a businessman that has an apple kind of covering his face. I thought that was quite interesting. Okay. Yeah, if at all it would be interesting. We'd love to see it. The best piece of advice that got you to the top. Oh, uh, <laughs> I would by no means say I'm at the top of anything at the moment. Um, <laughs> but piece, piece of advice, piece of advice um, would be to learn how to learn. Learn how to learn. Meaning, if you are put into something or you have to do a task which you don't know how to do, learn how to teach yourself on how to do it if that makes sense. Because a lot of us, I think as we get older, we forget how to learn. We forget how yeah. to pick up new things and how to learn new things. So keep building that skill, learning how to learn. Like even the podcast as, a, as an architect and a designer entering this, I had no idea about what a waveform is and what a podcast is and how to record and what is, what is reverb and what is echo and how do you fix these things and what is audio engineering? I didn't know any of that. So I had to quite literally take courses and learn about it. So I think learning how to learn, that's an advice which kind of applies to everything. Very interesting. A word, fa a word famous architect that you would love to have on the show? Uh, architect on the show? Bjarke uh, Engels, for sure. Oh, okay. Um, two studios, you love their work here in Dubai. Two studios whose work I love in Dubai. Well, obviously one would be where I'm currently at, obviously. <laughs> um, that is the Orange Design Group. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people probably know about them. And if you don't, uh, a small little boutique studio doing really, really cool stuff. When people ask me to talk about the work and the kind of, you know, place that it is, um, I tell designers, this is a firm that still practices the skill of building models. We still build models in this office. Wow. And if you're the designer, you know exactly what that means. And I don't need to say anything yes. more. So that's the kind of place that it is. So that would be uh, one. Uh, the second one would be um, Studio D4 or D04. I'm not really sure how it's pronounced, but again, Small little boutique. Um, I think they're run by uh, two women. I think it's Fatima and Noor. Uh, really, really purposeful, intentful work. Uh, very minimalist, you know, designs, very clean. And they kind of approach everything. They do a bit of architecture, a bit of interior, uh, product design. I had bought um, a product that they had on sale as well, which they had designed a while back. Um, so really, really good firm. I would love to have them on the show also one day if that's ever possible, but I really am a big fan of their work. So Orange Design and Studio D04 would be my answer. Pretty cool. Okay. And, um, who is a famous architect or a designer you will never have on the show? Never have on the show. <laughs> yeah. uh, Never have on the show. Why would I not have anyone on the show? Um, I, oh wait, no, no, there is someone. 
there is someone <laughs> who, should yes. pro- who should probably be unnamed for the purpose of the show because he is quite a famous character here in the region. Uh, pretty much if you flip any magazine at some point, you would have seen him or heard his name. Uh, works in one of the most prominent firms here. And I have quite, or rather I thought I had quite a good relationship with him and I thought he would be one of the first supporters of the show when we started out. And when I approached him for the show, he basically laughed it out saying it would be nothing. So, oh. yeah, probably not not on my guest list for a while. Okay. Probably. Okay. But yeah, I mean, apart from, I mean, I mean, all, all jokes aside, uh, I don't think I would ever have anyone who I would never have on the show. Even if it's someone who I don't particularly approve of, I would still want them on the show because they would add value to the listeners. And that's my overall aim. So, yeah. I think at some point I might just have him and be like, listen, I know what you said, but look at where we are now, man. <laughs> no, I think <laughs> they will be calling you one day. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, you never yes. know. And you will say no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think so, but you never know. <laughs> okay. So um, an international designer that, like an emerging designer that you would want to shed the light on. International emerging designer. Um, to be honest, no one in particular, but um, I think a lot of architects coming out of Iran, um, a lot of um, young designers over there are doing really, really good work. Um, I'm not really sure why that is and how that is or any of that, but generally speaking, if you see the the young architects coming out of Iran at the moment, I think they're doing really, really good work. And you can find them on, you know, things like Instagram and LinkedIn and so on. But generally speaking, I think anyone who's in that category out of Iran is doing really good work right now. Interesting. Okay. Okay. I think um, I've done, I'm done here. So what do you think of my performance? (laughs) Can I be Uh, a host? Absolutely. Yeah. I think you should. Um, I was quite nervous for the first time. I'm like, this is weird. So this is how guests feel on this show. (laughs) You know, I had my very first show when I was in school on a very old app called Speaker, but it's it's no longer here now. I had um, a show. It's it's not that it's not here. They actually got acquired by a few people, and I don't want to bore the listeners with this. We can talk off air once the show is done. But uh, it 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 just got acquired by a few people, so it is in spirit kind of still there. But yeah, yeah I mean that would be awesome. I think you absolutely should. Uh, my motto and my advice to everyone is uh, do everything uh, and fail at, you know, pretty much all of it. No problem. But it's only when you do it, will you actually know whether you want to continue doing it or whether it's just something which you thought was cool at the moment. There's no other way to figure it out. You just kind of have to do it. So um, you absolutely should be a host if you want to be. Um, Yeah. I think this was a really cool episode. I mean, Quite interesting for me too. It's kind of caught off guard over there. (laughs) Yeah, it was Um, fun for me too. Thanks, Alan. No problem. Uh, On behalf of everyone listening and everyone at the A-Form show, we would like to thank you, Haya, for coming on and sharing your insights. Uh, Everyone listening probably has got a few ideas now about how they want to change their living space because of you. Uh, Before we kind of bring the show to a close, if anyone 
listening wants to reach you or wants to talk to you about, you know, a design that they have in mind or, you know, whatever it may be, what's the best way for people to reach you and where can they reach you? Uh, sure. Um, you can reach me uh, through my website, um, www.haya.com. Uh, arafa.com or through my social media pages facebook hi arafa or instagram hi arafa or of course my linkedin uh, hi arafa and drop me a message i would be very happy to discuss um anything design related or not design related awesome great so on that note Haya, thank you so much for being part of the show and for all our listeners we will catch you guys next week thank you alan thank you very much fellow a formers thank you guys for listening thank you guys for being part of our journey and thank you for the immense support we've been receiving for our episodes it has and continues to be a very bumpy road but we wouldn't want it any other way if you enjoyed this episode and it brought you value please share this episode with anyone who may benefit from it but of course, if you loved the episode, follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn, send us a little DM, and we may just send you a secret link to a secret episode which we've been working on. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. See you next time. Keep sketching.